Welcome to Swartz Talking Sports. I'm your host, Les Swartz. Missed us last Wednesday. We took a week hiatus. Our producer, Tony, had to sun himself in Mexico. He's back, well-rested, and we're ready to go for a great show tonight. We've got a treat for you tonight. We've got former Notre Dame tight end, first-round draft pick of the New Orleans Saints, Irv Smith Sr. His son also plays right now, starting tight end with the Cincinnati Bengals, which we'll talk a little bit about as well. We'll have Benny the Book, the King of Carolinas, back with his picks. And at the end of the show, we're going to do how the movies are going. We'll look at the semifinals, the finals in each category between football, baseball, basketball, and other. A couple surprises in there, so uh, curious to see how that all turns out. But without further ado, uh, let's bring on Irv Smith Sr. Irv, how are you? I appreciate it. And I want to let everyone know out there, we've got a live chat tonight. We've got Joni is back. So if there's anything you want to talk to Irv about, his career, what's been going on, what he's doing, his son playing with the Bengals, shoot us a question. We'll have Irv answer that. So Irv, let's get right to it. Uh, I believe you grew up in New Jersey. When you're growing up, and I should have asked this question to Vince Coleman and Charles Oakley last, you know, a couple weeks ago. What, when you were a kid and you're playing in the backyard with your friends, neighborhood friends, who was the guy that you played, right? Who was your favorite player that you thought was the coolest back in the day? Well, it's, it's funny you, you asked that question. I was actually talking to my best friend about this just today. And believe it or not, O.J. Simpson was the guy. I mean, everybody wanted to be number 32. The juice. Uh, we fought. I mean, everybody fought to be number 32. I mean, it, that was the. it didn't matter. You know, when you were on the football field, the, the top guy, the number one player, the guy who was like the, the the best guy on the team or in the league or whatever it was, was always number 32. And it was all be, always because of the juice. Wow. OK, that's interesting. So were you a running back growing up or were you, I mean, you're obviously a big guy playing tight end in college in the NFL. Were you always bigger? Did, did you move around offensive line to tight end? How did that work out? Believe it or not, I didn't even play football until I got into high school. I, I tried wow. football when I was about uh, seven, eight years old. And because of my size, I was always bigger than my age. So at eight years old, I was actually, because of my weight class, I was having to play with guys that were like, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. And they were way more advanced than I was. So believe it or not, for my the one year that I did play football when I was like seven or eight years old, I only played in what's called the fifth quarter. And the okay. fifth quarter was for all the kids that didn't play the first four quarters. And uh, <laughs> after one year of being on, in the fifth quarter, my mom was like, you know what? It's time for you to play soccer. And I played soccer really? my entire life. Until, and I played baseball and I played basketball. But football, wow. I didn't touch football field until the eight, until I got in high school because until then, I just it, it just it didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And my parents also didn't want me to get hurt. So I, I played a lot of basketball, which I wasn't very good at. <laughs> I played a lot of baseball, which I was great at. Okay. And, um, you know, and like I said, I played soccer, which I excelled. I was I was a I was a runner. I was I, was, I played center forward. I would score about four or five goals every game. And I had fun with it. And I think that's what helped me to achieve the speed that I achieved when I started to play football, because all I did in soccer was run up and down and up and down and up and down the field. Well, you got to be pretty conditioned to be a soccer player. I've never done it. Probably why I never did, because I wasn't very conditioned. <laughs> so, um, so question. So now you're in high school. Uh, you're playing. Obviously, now you're in high school. You're playing. Uh, did you start as a freshman, sophomore? Were you more of a late bloomer in high school? How did that work out? Well, my brother, actually, Ed Smith, um, mm-hmm. my brother was actually the two years ahead of me. So when I was a freshman, he was a junior. 
Uh, my brother was an All-American tight end. He played baseball. He was he was actually was called the the Tri-State Athlete of the Year. His senior year, he was the basketball, football, baseball player. So my brother was he was the rabbit. So when I was a freshman, he was the uh, starting uh, tight end. When I became a sophomore, he was still the starting tight end. So I used to play wide receiver. I wasn't a run, I was way too big to be a running back. But I was a receiver my sophomore year. And then my junior year, he graduated, of course, and he went on to his have his career. And then I ended up playing tight end my junior and senior year, and the rest is history. So I was always a tight end, but I was a, a receiver because I, you know, I wasn't gonna beat out my older brother. And he was the you know, he he had scholarships to go to Penn State, Florida, mm-hmm. you know, you name it. He was a top player as well. So at the end of the day, I was his backup until my junior year. And then my last two years, I took over and did my thing. Now, was Notre Dame a dream school? Was it something that they recruited you late in the process? Did you uh, have other schools in mind that you visited besides Notre Dame that you seriously took a look at? Well, believe it or not, I'll give you the five schools that I was, vis- I was visiting. One of them better be LSU. Uh, oh, no. LSU wasn't even in the ranking. Wow. I, I, visited, I visited USC. Okay. The only, reason, the only reason I visited USC because I was from New Jersey and I wanted a free ticket to California. You're honest. I so like it. I like I vi- it. I visited USC. And okay. the very next week, UCLA got word that I came out to California. They said, well, hey, Irvin, if you can visit USC, they're in Watts. Come out to see us. We're in Beverly Hills. I said, okay, great. So I flew flew back out to California to visit US, UCLA. Okay. Uh, then, then I visited Florida State, and that was actually Deion Sanders' senior year. It was, it was Florida State, Florida weekend. Okay. So I went to Florida. I went to Florida, uh, Florida State, and um, Bobby Bowden, and, and did the whole uh, Burt Reynolds Hall, and it was a great experience. Nice. And then I went. Then I went to Clemson, which is my fourth visit. Okay. My fifth visit was University of Auburn. I was going to go to Auburn. It was my last wow. trip. Um, as I told you earlier, I played baseball in high in high school as well. Actually, I played baseball in college too. But baseball is my favorite sport. Okay. And I wanted to be back then. That was when Bo Jackson was on top of his game. Everybody wanted to be like Bo. So I wanted uh-huh. to go to Auburn. I wanted to play football and baseball like Bo Jackson. I wanted to play professional baseball and hopefully professional football like Bo Jackson did. So my last trip was Auburn, and uh, I get a call the Monday before my Friday recruiting visit from the University of Auburn that said, hey, Mr. Smith, we're sorry, but we just signed two tight ends from the state of Alabama. We no longer have a scholarship for you. Wow. And I was was heartbroken because I was literally saving the best for last. And you were going to play both sports there, right? You were planning on doing that. Yeah. Of course. I mean, wow. I, I only wanted to go there because I wanted to be like Bo. Okay. So at this point, I had four visits down, and I verbally committed to Clemson because I said, you know what? My next best trip is going to be Clemson. I verbally committed to Clemson, and that week, Notre Dame convinced me to come out for a trip. Now, there was only one reason I did not want to go to Notre Dame. They had a guy by the name of Derek Brown who mm-hmm. was All-American freshman year, won the national championship. You know, six foot seven, 270 pounds. Oh, yeah. He was a stud. And I said, why would I go there and be his backup for three years? So I was going everywhere but Notre Dame. So right. if, you, if you notice the five trips I said I was going to, Notre Dame wasn't even included. So at the end of the day, Notre Dame convinced me to come out for my fifth trip. Because you, know, you get five free trips. They said, Irv, just come out for the trip. You get a free trip anyway. I said, you know what? I'll come out for the trip. And here's the crazy thing about it. At the time, my brother, I was telling you, I tell you something about my brother, but my brother was actually playing minor league baseball for a team called the South Bend White Sox, which is literally in South Bend, five okay. minutes from Notre Dame. So I was like, you know what? I'll go out and see my brother for the weekend, take a free trip to Notre Dame. I'm going to Clemson. So Clemson begged me not to go on the trip, but I said, I'm going for this free trip. So I went. And the entire time I was at Notre Dame, all I kept saying with myself was, I can't come here. I can't come here. The crazy thing was I sat down with Coach Holtz before I left campus, and Coach Holtz looked me in the eye and said, Irv Smith, we love you to death. You're a great football player. 
if you choose to come to Notre Dame, you will be Derek Brown's backup for three years. He told me that. Wow. And okay. He, 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 and, and literally everything Notre Dame showed me in the 24, in the 48 hours I was there, I disregarded. I said, you know what? There's no way in the world. If I don't go to Notre Dame, there's something wrong with me. Because when I went for my visit, the thing about Notre Dame was different than any other school. All they talked to me about was what my life would be after I graduated from Notre Dame for the rest of my life. Okay. All the other schools, Florida State, Clemson, USC, UCLA, all they talked to me about was, was playing in the Rose Bowl, playing major college football. It was all football TV. related, right? It was all football. It was, it was all football related. Notre Dame, did, Notre Dame said, listen, we just won the national championship a month ago. We just won it. So as far as we're concerned, you know we can play football. But let me tell you what Notre Dame's going to do for you for the rest of your life. Okay. And it was so different that I, I got home from the trip. And I'm, believe it or not, my parents went to a few of my visits, but they didn't go to Notre Dame because I told them I wasn't going to Notre Dame. They said, okay, great. Well, if you're going to Notre Dame, then just go for yourself. Okay. I got off that plane. And I said, mom, dad, guess what? I'm going to Notre Dame. And they could not have been more happy. They were grateful that I made the decision myself, but they could not have been more happy that I made that decision. And I can honestly tell you it was the greatest decision I ever made in my life. Wow. So have to ask your first impressions of Lou Holtz. Well, you know what? The first impression you get of Lou Holtz is no different than the last impression you get of Lou Holtz. <laughs> Lou Holtz is a great man. Okay. He, he's, he, he's, the, he's the, he's the, he was the Nick Saban of, of 1980s and nineties. Um, he's going to get the best out of you as a person. He's going to get the best out of you as a football player. The thing that I admire about most about Lou Holtz is that he can literally meet a hundred people and he figures out, with each hundred person, what makes that person tick the best, and that's the buttons that he pulls. Okay. He doesn't treat people as a group. He treats you as an individual. And uh, I could tell from the moment that I met him that there was something special about him as a person, as a coach. And it was kind of ironic about 10 years ago when Notre Dame played Alabama in the National Championship. Hadn't seen Coach Oates in close to 20 years. And it was a big reunion with a whole bunch of us down there in Miami for the game. And he... He, he saw us and talked to us like he saw us last week. Wow. Er Smith, how's your mom and dad doing? And hey, right. I mean, it was crazy. He's the same guy today as he was when I met him 35 years ago. Wow. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, you hear good things about Lou Holtz from the players, you know, not the greatest things about, from the players who played against him, but for the players who played, they loved him, revered him. Uh, you know, looks like an incredible motivational type coach. Uh, from some of the speeches in the locker room that I've heard um, on the sidelines, things like that, really got you guys going. Um, always, hey, we, we got a comment right here. Always love Lou. There you go. Another Notre Dame, or we got to love it, right? Um, you get there. They win a national championship the year before. Tony Rice, I think, is your quarterback your freshman year? Yes, sir. And you guys use the Rocket. You played with the Rocket. You beat Colorado, and uh, you, you you finished number two in the polls, I think, your first year, correct? How it went down was my freshman year. You know, we we, we went into the uh, end of the season. We lost to Miami. Mm -hmm. So going into the bowl, and back then they didn't have all the stuff they have today. So you just had rankings. So back then, going into the bowl game, you had Colorado one, Notre Dame two, uh, Alabama three, and uh, or Miami three, Alabama four. So three played four. So Alabama played Miami, and then one played two. Colorado played us. We beat Colorado. So two beat one. Miami was three. They beat four. They beat Alabama. They left us at two. And leapfrog Miami from three to one, and Colorado back from one to three. So we we should have won it back to back, but they they didn't. They decided that because Miami beat us, right. they left us at two and leapfrogged them from three to one, and Colorado from one to three. Sophomore year, we ended up um, losing to Colorado, and everybody remembers that game. That's when they 
called that clip the last play of the game when Rocket ran the t- you know, Rocket, right. you know, signaled that he was gonna run it back and he ran it back and they decided they didn't want us to win that game, so they threw the flag and called it a, a clip the last play of the game and we ended up losing that game. But back to back years we played Colorado in the Orange Bowl. And then my sophomore, my junior, we played uh Florida in, in the uh uh, down in in, in in New Orleans, and we beat the brakes off of Florida. And then my senior year, we played Texas A&M in the Cotton Bowl, and we beat them by about 40. So I, I had four four great years of, of bowls. We didn't win a national championship, but we definitely had a lot of success. Now, I was going to say, your last three years, your, your quarterback at Notre Dame was Rick Myra, who went on uh, the to I think he was the number two quarterback after Drew Bledsoe was picked by the New, New England Patriots. He went to Seattle, I believe, with that draft. So so you have a great career at Notre Dame, obviously. You put up big numbers. Now, are you do you go to the Combine? Are you thinking that you're going to be a first-round draft pick? Is that a surprise? Were, were the Saints looking at you uh, You know, after your career uh, during the Combine? How did that go down? Well, I was a guy that knew that I needed a little more exposure. I only started one season, so I actually played in the Senior Bowl. Okay. And the Senior Bowl back then was called the Working Man's Bowl. That was the bowl game that everybody went to that you wanted to show the scouts what you did. You know, the, the Hula Bowl and the – all those other, you know, those bowls, those were just like vacations. And so I chose the senior bowl specifically because that's a week where you go down there, you practice full go, full pads. Uh, a lot of guys that are trying to improve their draft stock go there. Uh, all the teams there because they know that you're they're actually going to watch you go out and catch balls and block, you know, block guys and things like that. So I went down there and I, I had a phenomenal uh, week down there. I was catching passes uh, from some of the best quarterbacks out there, you know, making diving plays and things like that. And the Saints, obviously, you know, being uh, the, the senior bowl was in, was in Mobile, Alabama, about a two-hour drive or so away. So the whole state, that Saints organization was there to watch me for that week. So I think that's what really impressed okay. them was what they saw me do throughout that week. Um, going into the draft, of course, you don't know where you're going to get picked. But I did have a feeling I was going to go somewhere late first, early second. So I was invited to the draft, and I did take a chance of going to the draft and hopefully being drafted in the first round. The ironic thing was there's was probably about – out of the top back then, there was only 28 teams, I believe, in, in the in the league. So there was only 28 picks. But there was uh, out of the 28 teams, there probably was about maybe 15 of us guys that were there to draft. I remember Willie Rofu was my roommate in New Orleans. He was drafted number eight. He was there. Uh, Jerome was there. Um, quite a few guys were there. Rick, my, um, Rick wasn't there, but Drew Bledsoe was there. Drew, Drew was the first pick and Rick was the second pick. And I was actually the last person picked. Uh, in the draft that was there, I was the 20th pick. Yeah. So up until then, I was the last. It was kind of a long day too, because I mean, you're talking about uh, back then. I think they gave each team like 30 minutes or 45 minutes between each pick in the first round. So it, it's I think the draft started around noon. I wasn't drafted until like six or seven o'clock at night. So it was a very long first day, but I did go first round. But of the whole group that was there, I was the last person. I was the 20th pick. I was the last person picked in the first round. Now transition from a big-time college football program, Notre Dame, great success, played in a team that had a tremendous amount of talent that went to the NFL. Your transition from Notre Dame to the Saints' first year, uh, is it true, does the game, is it, is it faster and then it slows down as you gain more experience? How did you react to that? Well, it, it definitely uh, slows down as you gain more experience. It's definitely much quicker, but you have to understand, preseason is, is slow because – the veterans understand it's a long season. And so the first actual game of the season is when you really see uh, the game speed up. But I will say this, playing in Notre Dame, number one, um, our fourth string 
at Notre Dame was as good enough as starters for, I mean, like I give you an example, Dorsey Levins, who I'm sure you know his name. Sure, running back uh, out Dor- of Georgia Dor- Tech. Well, he's a running back out of Notre Dame. Dor- oh, oh, Dorsey he- was my cl- he was Dorsey okay. was my, well, no, no, he came out of Georgia Tech, but Dorsey was my classmate at Notre Dame. He okay. came in with me. He transferred to Georgia Tech gotcha. junior year because he was the sixth string running back. Whoa. And I say that to you because who were the five guys? Who were the five guys in front of him? Uh, Reggie Brooks, Tony Brooks, Ricky Waters, Rodney Culver. Wow. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, Studs. Uh, it, it was, it was, it was, I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, when I say he was sick, I'm not exaggerating. Like yeah. He literally was the sixth. And, and it's funny because we would always tell most of our friends, like, don't transfer, don't transfer, don't transfer. We told Dorsey, transfer. transfer. Okay. <laughs> now I, 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 I went into it knowing I was going to be second string for three years, but Dorsey was sixth string. And I knew oh, that my God. senior year, that as long as I did what I was supposed to do, I'd start. So I stuck it out. But Dorsey, you know, but Dorsey was not the only person like that. And I say that to you because we were loaded at so many positions that when I got to the NFL, you know, you're going against scout team guys. It was it was like a walk in the park, you know, and then the game day, you know, there's good players. But but when you play at Notre Dame and then also you're playing every every week, you're playing against Penn State, USC, Miami, Michigan, you know, our our. Our schedule was a little different back then than it is today. We, you know, we had, you know, we had Navy every once in a while, right. and you know, stuff like Air Force Academy. But we were playing against the best of the best of the best, pretty much ten out of thirteen weeks out of the season. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a little different today. So when you get to the NFL, it's almost like a walk in the park. You know, it's not easy, of course, you're playing against NFL players, right? But the the level of play that we're used to playing against on a week. I mean, I went against Will, Willie McGinnis and. I can go on and on about the guys that I played against mm-hmm. year after year after year in the NFL. And those are the same guys that I get went against when I played, you know, at college at Notre Dame. Now you go from Lou Holtz to Jim Mora. Obviously, there's got to be a difference there. I'm thinking now. Jim Mora was successful with the Saints late '80s. Had some playoff teams, great defenses with the Saints. You know, your first quarterback in the pros, I believe, was Wade Wilson, if I got that right. And the team goes eight and eight. What what adjustments did you have to make with a Jim Moore coach team? Uh, was he a motivator like Holtz? Was he more standoffish? What was he like as a coach? Well, the first thing is we started off my my rookie year three um, five and zero. Okay, so we actually started off hot. But what happened was, if you looked at our roster, we had one of the oldest teams in the NFL, I and mean, we had guys that have been in the league for 10, 12 years. That was like our average age, and you had a few guys like me and Willie that were you know that were rookies. So we started off five and zero, and then the, the, the team just hit a hit a wall, and so we we lost eight of the last eleven games. So wow. Think about how tough that is to Absolutely. lose eight of your last eleven. We finished the season. So when you say eight and eight, well, it's eight and eight, but it actually was three and eight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it was a rough season. Uh, Coach Moore, a great guy, loved him to death. But uh, I played with uh, Coach Moore was my head coach, and then my last head coach there was 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 uh, was um, Mike, Mike Dicka. And, and I think, unfortunately, unfortunately, I think the Saints, they, they had coaches that had, I think the, the, the NFL had passed them up. Mm-hmm. I mean, by the time Mike Dicka got there, he had, he'd already been retired for like five or six years. And then right. he came back to coach the team and, and you saw what he did. He, he, I, I ain't gonna lie to you, he was, he was the worst coach I've ever played for in my entire <laughs> life. I played for some Whoa. bad coaches, but okay. he was the worst. He, he was the worst coach. He was the worst toward the players. He was the worst toward the organization. He had a horrible attitude. And maybe in his younger years, he was better. Mm -hmm. But he was like one of those old 
angry man by the time he got to the Saints. Well, I was gonna he I wasn't... was gonna touch on a little Mike Ditka, but we also have four questions right now. You're, you're Irv, you're popular right now, so we have some questions. Okay. So I'm gonna have Joni. Joni's gonna ask you a couple questions out of the shoot, and let's go right now. Ready? Okay. Ready. I'm <laughs> sorry. Rob asks, Irv, what drew you to Notre Dame over some of the other colleges? Well, we kind of addressed that, right? We, we kind of talked about it. Well, well, well I'll, I'll run over it again. I mean, okay. Notre Dame was actually, like I said, it was. I didn't have anything against Notre Dame. I had something against playing behind a guy for three years. But once I went to the school, it's funny that, that, that the gentleman's on the call as well. I did hear one thing that he said when I lost the call. He said, Notre Dame is a special place. And when people ask me all the time, what's so spe- what, what, what's, what's Notre Dame all about? I'm not lying to you when I tell you this. And this, this comes from me. If you ask 100 of my former teammates, we will all say the exact same thing to you. Notre Dame is a special place. I mean, when he said those, those words, I couldn't have said any better because that's exactly what I say. And people say, what it is? You say, it, when you walk on the campus, it, you just feel something special. Uh, the people, the environment, uh, the history. I've been on many campuses, and I'll be honest with you, I've never been on a campus before. And I have been, I've never been on a campus before that gives you that feeling when you see the lady on the dome and you see touchdown Jesus and you walk across that campus. It's something special about that place that you can't re, you, you can't reproduce anywhere else in the world. And, and before Joni asks you the second question, I kind of want to elaborate on that. We have a guest that comes on, a recurring guest, uh, our Big Ten guy, Todd Trigger, who's a big Ohio State guy. He was at the game at Notre Dame. He is not a Golden Domer, can't stand them. Went to Notre Dame and said, Les, I got to tell you, you know, I'm not a Notre Dame fan. The place is special. I felt it. I walked around there. The place was special. So that's coming from a guy who doesn't like Notre Dame at all, said the place was special. So, Rob, thanks for that question. Let's go to question number two. Okay. John asks, who reached out to you from Notre Dame? Well, the recruiting coordinator is a guy named Vinny Serrato. And it's funny uh, I said bring this up, but Vinny was the guy that recruited me to Notre Dame. Vinny's the guy that actually brought me to San Francisco as a 49er when I left the Saints. And Vinny's the same guy that brought me to the Washington Redskins in 2000 when I was a free agent and I was retiring. And he brought me to the Washington Redskins to finish out my career. So Vinny Serrato is the guy that I have to give all the credit to in the world that stuck by me from the time I was a 17-year-old snotty-nosed kid to the last year that I played in the NFL. And he's still a great friend of mine to this day. Uh, That's fantastic. Uh, John, thanks for that question. Let's go to question number three. All right. Quick Tech Solutions asks, how does it feel having you your son follow in your footsteps? Ooh, we're going to get into this later, but go ahead. You know, it's it's funny. Um, I didn't even let my son play football until the eighth grade. I only let him play in eighth grade because he wouldn't leave me alone. He started bugging me when he was, when he was in the first grade. And every year it was the same talk. Nope, 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 nope. This went on from first grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. And finally, eighth grade, I was like, you know what? All right, you can play. He played basketball his whole life growing up, and he was very good at it. And I think basketball is what helped him with his footwork and mm-hmm. things like that. Just like soccer helped me. Uh, my son did play soccer for a year. He didn't like it. He played baseball for a year. Didn't like it. He played basketball, fell in love with it. And the moment he put the football uniform on in eighth grade, he was a different kid, and he's been the same since. And we're going to get into a little bit of Junior's exploits in, in this season with the Bengals as well. And let's go to our last question. Okay, we actually have a couple more. Just popped in. Um, having played with Rick Meyer and having played in the NFL, why do you think he didn't enjoy more success? 
Good question. Well, I, I think I think coaching was From probably John, the biggest I'm sorry. thing. I, I think I, said that. I, I think lack of coaching. When I think about it, um, I know some of the coaches that coached Rick. Um, if you look at quarterback like a Jalen Hurst, for instance, I, you know, I was I was in Alabama. My my son and Jalen were classmates at Alabama, yeah. and Jalen's mechanics were nowhere near the way they are today. But when he got to the pro, you know, Alabama is not, is not a quarterback university. Alabama is you know for running backs and linebackers and things like that. Right. And uh, when he got to the, the the positions that he got into with better coaching, uh, it took his it took his his quarterback into on the level. Well, I think Rick never had that opportunity. He never had. If you look at the teams he played for, there's no there was no quarterback coaches. If he had like a Belichick or something like that, maybe I think his career would have been a lot different. If you look at uh, Drew Bledsoe in, in, in New England, you look at uh, of course Tom Brady. You know they're great players, but I think they had good coaching that really helped them become the kind of players they are as well. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, coaching makes a massive difference in the NFL. I think everyone has ability when you get to the league, right? But there's something else that that maybe gets you to the top. So I appreciate all those questions. I want to continue. I want I want to continue. Uh, we have we have more questions as well for you, but I want to continue just real quickly on the Mike Ditka thing. I heard the same thing. I mean, you know, Ditka had a great run with the Bears, right? He had that '85 season. He's pretty much, he was, you're right, he was out of football. I think he was doing like color or, or things like that for ESPN and some of the networks. And then he jumped back into it. And then didn't he basically sell off the entire draft to pick Ricky Williams? He picked Ricky Williams and he said he was going golfing for the rest of the day. <laughs> How do you do that as a head coach, right, in the NFL? How do you do that, yeah. right? So he basically, he killed the Saints for a little while. So you play with the Saints and then you get traded to, did you get traded or did you just sign as a free agent to San Francisco? I took. I literally took less money to leave. I did, I couldn't play with Mike Dick any longer. Wow. So I literally, I literally, I did a two year deal to go to San Francisco. Once again, Benny Serrato reached out to me. Uh, he was uh, the recruiting guy from the 49ers. Uh, Dwight Clark, Karma Policy, were the head of the 49ers at the time. Uh, they reached out to me and and you know they made me an offer. I couldn't re- refuse. The offer was, you know, come play for the, the the team that you've been looking at for the last five years across across the street because I was in the same conference with the Saints. And I saw the type of organization they had. Some of my former teammates from college, uh, Bryant Young, Junior Bryant, Anthony Pearson, they all played for the Niners. Mm-hmm. And I knew how much they enjoyed that organization. I wanted to be a part of that organization. And I'm not going to lie, okay? I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus here, but you're going from, you know, Wade Wilson, Jim Everett, and Heath Schuler to Steve Young. Uh, I mean, the guy's a Hall of once, Famer, once, right? Once, once again, like I said, it was, it was a no-brainer. Like, literally, I could not leave that place and go play for the Niners any faster. <laughs> I would have done the same thing. Now you finish up. And I always wanted to ask this question to a pro athlete. Do you know, like, nobody wants to end their career, right? You want to keep playing as long as you can. But for you, was it something that at the end of your career, you, you just said, you know, something I've had enough of the, this life. Was it a physical thing where I just maybe can't do it at that level anymore? What made you basically say, you know, something, you know, when you went to the Browns, this is it. I'm done with it. Well, I got traded to the Browns. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had a two-year deal with the Niners. I got traded. I was part of the expansion draft. And the reason why I left San Francisco, I was actually starting tight end for the 49ers. And I was dealing with a bunch of politics. You know, I was – Steve Mariucci was the head coach. Uh, We had a great team. You know, the receivers was Jerry Rice, Terrell Owens, J.J. Stokes. Steve was the quarterback. Garrison Hurst was the running back. Uh, star-studded team. I was the starter. Halfway through the season, I had 25 catches, five touchdowns. I was I was doing pretty well, yeah. especially sharing balls with those guys. 
And um, they came to me week eight and said, hey, you know what? Coach decided they want to go a different direction. They want to play this other guy over top of you. And believe it or not, that guy finished the season with five catches and one touchdown. And they came to me when the season was over and said, hey, Herb, you know, you're not the starter any longer, so we need you to take a pay cut. It was, it was a game. I said, nah, you know I'm not doing that. So just go ahead and trade me. Was that and Vernon so Davis? Me. Was that Vernon Davis? No, no, okay. no, no. It was a guy named Greg, Greg Clark. Okay. A good, good friend of mine, great friend of mine. Mm-hmm. But it, it just didn't make any sense where, you know, here I go in there and I'm doing my thing. But once again, a lot of politics. Gotcha. So I left there, went to Cleveland. And to be quite honest with you, um, I went from the 49ers organization, which you couldn't find any better, to the new Cleveland Browns, which you couldn't find any worse. Uh, brand new team, expansion team. Mm-hmm. Chris Palmer was the head coach. It was a horrendous season. We 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 finished that year uh, one in, one in fifteen, Oof. and um, I won't get into the schematics of it. The bottom line was, it was so heart wrenching that I I took away my love for the game. Yeah, and I, I got talked into playing one more year, going to the Redskins with Vinny the next year in two thousand, and I got in the middle of training camp and my heart just wasn't any longer. And I walked into Coach Turner's office, I handed him my playbook and I said, Coach, I'm done. He said, What do you mean? And everybody said. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I was tired. I was tired of the politics. I was tired of the games. Um, I was tired of losing. I was tired of moving around season. You know, went from New Orleans for five years to San Francisco for a year, Cleveland for a year, Washington. I was like, I'm done. And so literally, I turned my playbook in and I never looked back. And I can honestly tell you, it was the greatest decision I ever made. My son was, was two years old and it allowed me to focus on him. And hey, you know what? I, I didn't plan on my son being a professional football player, but here's the difference. I liked football. See, I love baseball, but I couldn't hit the curveball. I liked football. My son loves football. So I was able to invest in him, mm-hmm. and now he's doing what he loves. And, and be, be honest with you, I love watching him play more than I enjoy playing football. And we're going to touch on that a little bit because I know we had a conversation prior to going on the air about uh, what's going on with Cincinnati and, and things like that. But we do have a few more questions that uh, if you'd be nice enough to maybe hang out and, and answer a few. So let's go to Joni. And Joni, I know we got a few questions for Irv. Let's go. We do, yes. You, you actually beat John, one of our listeners, to the punch because you asked about Dick uh, trading away his entire draft for Ricky Williams. So we won't ask that, but I just wanted to acknowledge that question from John. Um, Tech for Fun asks, what do you think sports does for kids as far as teaching them values and discipline? Well, I think with the right football coaches, uh, there's nothing more important than learning discipline. What I learned from Coach Holtz was to be on time, to always sit up in the front, Feet on feet flat on the ground, hands flat on your on your your lap, stare them in the eye. You know, it, it just teaches you. You know, if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. You know, this has nothing to do with winning football games. It has to do with with the kind of person you turn into from what football does for you, and that that's the person you turn into not when you're 20, and not when you're 30, but when you're 40, and when you're 50, and hopefully when you're 60, and when you're 70. That's what sports has done for me because I had coaches like Lou Holtz. Um, you know, that invested in me when I was young. And I always tell people I wasn't raised military, but in Notre Dame, you're raised military. And I think military values are some of the best values. Yes, sir. No, sir. Mm-hmm. And things like that. And if you can get that out, uh, if you can get that uh, impressed upon to your child, there's nothing better. Irv, I preach this all the time in every walk of life. Accountability. Be accountable for yourself and your actions, right? I mean, it's what it's all about. That's right. And that, that's what, you know, when you're playing sports, see, football is the greatest uh, team sport in the world. 
You know, baseball, you can go up there and hit a home run and change the whole game. And, uh, you know, basketball, you can go out there and score 40 and 50 points and change the whole game. But in football, there takes 11 guys in that field. And if one person breaks down in any play, I don't care how open you are, I don't care the, the ball you throw, everything has to work together. It shows every single week. So football to me is the greatest team sport, and it can teach the, the greatest lessons for young people that make them great, you know, people in society for years to come. Great question. And I think we've got one more, Joni. Yes, we do. From John. Uh, Irv, did you end up playing baseball at Notre Dame? I did. I played baseball until my junior year. And believe it or not, it's kind of funny as I was sitting here waiting for the newscast to come on. Um, two of my, well, one of my teammates and the other guy that was responsible for me going to Notre Dame, a guy named um, uh, Craig Council, who was the coach of the Bears, I'm sorry, the Brewers. He's now the, the head baseball coach of the Cubs, I believe. And right, I just found they just out signed him. It. And I just found out just right before the broadcast, the guy that's secondly responsible for me going to Notre Dame, who was the baseball coach in Notre Dame, a guy named Pat Murphy, who Pat was our coach at Notre Dame. He was our baseball coach. He was Craig Council's coach. He was my coach. We were teammates. Then he was Craig Council's bench coach for a bunch of years. Just got promoted to be the 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 um the manager of the Milwaukee Brewers as well. So I did play for Coach Murphy and I did play uh, as teammates with Craig Council until my junior year. And once I figured out I couldn't hit the curveball, I had to give the game up. I could never hit the curveball, so there you go. Uh, oh, before you go, I, I do want to bring on again, thank you so much for, for spending time with us today. Uh, let's bring Benny back on because I know Benny's, you know, a big Notre Dame guy. And, and we're going to talk real briefly about, you know, Irv Jr. So great career at Alabama, plays for Nick Saban. Listen, people can say what they want to say, but if you look at the records, the guy's the best college football coach that's ever coached. I mean, he yeah. did it at LSU as well. He won a national championship, my, my favorite team. He turned yeah. Michigan State around. Uh, he's He's been unbelievable. When they lose two games and they go 11-2, and two, it's a down year in Alabama, right? So it's been that's incredible. Uh, Benny, I know you had a question about tight ends. You were talking about that with Notre Dame. Maybe you can you – know, Ir Irv's, Irv's the tight end at Notre Dame, right? So, Yeah, Irv. Notre Dame's always been known for having great tight ends. What do, what do you think the reason was? Was it like coaching or they they just recruited well at that position that they got all you guys with talent? You know, every year they have a great tight end. I mean, it's year after year after year. You saw, well, it, started, it, it started way back with Mark Bavaro, of course, you know, and mm -hmm. I'm sure there was guys before yeah. him. Like and and when you when, and when, when you're recruiting uh, young kids and you can say, hey, look, here's a guy that played at a high level here at this position. It was this, you know, Notre Dame has had great players at every position, yeah, whether yeah. it be quarterback, running back. But mm -hmm. Notre Dame seems to be always has always been one of those places where I mean when I was there, there was three of us that could have played for NFL team. Derek Brown, myself, actually it was four of us. A guy, a guy named Frank Jacobs, who he actually hurt his ankle, played baseball, played minor league baseball. Oscar McBride, this guy was like six foot six, two hundred and seventy pounds, and myself. We, we we were we were we had four four guys on the roster at one time that were all noted that were all NFL caliber guys. Let alone you know um, Kyle Rudolph and you know and and, and all the, the list goes on year after year after year after year. So we've just been very fortunate that we recruited. I mean, coaching is always good, but the athletes that we brought in at tight end, I think, have always been. Uh, on a on a level, I think John Carlson was there. He actually lives out here in Arizona by me. Yeah. So it's just been a history of of guys. You know, obviously, you know when you play at a major level, you have to have certain things you bring to the table. If you're five foot nine, you're not going to be a big, great tight end. 
Yeah. But they bring in guys that are 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", that can run and catch a football. And uh, we've been very fortunate to bring a lot of those guys in. And I'm sure we'll have a lot more in the future. Well, if I know you're going to be going to Baltimore, I believe, right? Thursday, are they playing? Is that the game in Baltimore? Yeah, tomorrow night, believe it or not. Thursday night, yeah. All right, so we need we need Junior to have a big game. A couple weeks ago, kind of broke out a little bit. Great touchdown catch, and then all of a sudden, the Bengals go away from the tight end. What is the deal in Cincinnati? You know, I, I just think that uh, it's it's got to be uh, direction. I mean, at the end of the day, when your tight ends go out there and catch 10, 11 balls for you, and they're they're one of the main reasons. they If, if they don't do that two weeks ago on Sunday Night Football, they don't win that football game. That's a fact. Right. So it doesn't make sense to me where you do it, it's successful for you, and you go away from it. The problem that I think in, in Cincinnati is that they've got three top receivers that they're trying to they're trying to make all three of those guys happy. And it's almost like when I played in, in San Francisco, one of the problems with, with Steve Mariucci to me was he was a people pleaser. He wasn't thinking about winning football games. He was trying to make sure that Steve was happy and Jerry was happy and Terrell was happy. And that all he, he didn't care about winning. He cared about making guys happy. Well, I think the same thing's going on in Cincinnati right now. They've got um, they have favorites to try and make happy, and they're hoping they can win in spite of that. Because when you're throwing the ball to guys that are double and triple covered, and you got guys that are wide open, you're not even throwing the ball to them. I mean, to me, coaching is common sense. I mean, if you're trying to win a football game, throw the ball to the guys that are open. And that's what they're not doing right now. I agree 100%. Well, i got to tell you, you're a hit. On this show, we've gotten a lot of questions. We're getting a lot of great comments. You've been an amazing guest. Very refreshing we're getting comments out there. So, again, we appreciate it. Before we let you go, though, we got to ask you this question. We are doing best sports movies of all time. We rate them by football, baseball, basketball, and other. That's like hockey and all other sports. Your favorite football movie of all time, what is it? Remember the Titans. Okay. Ah, got it. Okay, so in our final, it's Remember the Titans against Brian Song for the final of the football. Okay. You like what about basketball? Oh, loving basketball. (laughs) I do remember that. That's the one with the uh, USC. uh, uh, Her name is uh, Asia in the thing, and she played at USC or something. Okay. Yeah. All right. That didn't make our list. Um, How about baseball? It's all good. Favorite baseball movie. Oh, a league of their own. That was yeah. in there, but it didn't yeah. make the finals. I think it's um. Oh my God, I'm I'm trying to think of who's our baseball. Field of Dreams is in it against the Sandlot well, of all things. You know, I I would have to say this. I would say Field of Dreams is probably my number one over. Yeah, yeah. Field of Dreams is definitely that to me. That's the greatest baseball movie of all 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 time. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's it tugs at your sleeves, right? I mean, I don't know. I yeah. think of my dad every time I see that movie. But again, yeah. I I just wanted to say thank you so much for for taking time. I know it's three hours early in Arizona. You made time for us. Two, two now. Two, it's Is two it two? Hours okay. Now. Daylight we, savings we never time. I, I can't get we, this daylight we, savings we, time we, thing down. We, right? we never change here. So we were three hours different than when daylight savings time happened. We're back to two. We go back and forth because we never change here. That's right. You guys are constant, which I think everyone should be. But again, right. awesome answers. Great interview. You were fantastic. We hope to have you back some other time. If you wouldn't mind, that would be Anytime. great. Anytime. All right, River, listen. Uh, we hope for great success for Junior Thursday. We hope the Bengals win. He has a huge game. And we wish you Thank and your you. family a very happy Thanksgiving. 